When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The thing that jumps at me with Kirk is very accurate, extremely accurate player. So, and plays the game on the move really, really well. He's got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of young kids around him right now. We have some guys out, so he's been really challenged for him to help this kid get lined up. And that's, so, you know, and that's good for a quarterback, you know, with some of these guys missing some time. But, you know, I'm very, very impressed. And uh, like I said, I just want to do everything I can to get him in the best possible position for our football team to be successful. That, of course, is Vikings head coach offense, Gary Kubiak. The show is Purple Daily. Zolgad, Danny Cunningham, Jonathan Harrison producing. Matthew Collar is getting a well-deserved week off. Although, Matthew Collar, if you happen to be tuning in right now, I can't believe that you are off on the day that a McCowan has announced his retirement. Talk about terrible timing for Matthew. Nobody loves the McCowans like our guy Matthew Collar. That's awful timing. Josh McCowan, is, uh, who is, what, going on 40 years old now and has been a backup with the uh, New York Jets, turns 40 on July 4th, spent the last two seasons as a Jet, announced on the Players' Tribune today, yes, the Players' Tribune is still a thing, that he is retiring. So, Matthew What, what are you going to remember Josh McCowan for most? That's why we need Collar, because I have no memory at all. I have one, like, I know the I, names. I have one memory of Josh McCowan. Okay. So when he was a quarterback of the Browns, it was a week one game. They, it was either week one or week two. They played the New York Jets, and this was during the Johnny Manziel era. Uh, McCown went to dive into the end zone, and he did a helicopter spin oh, yeah. because of the way he got hit. And I remember he fumbled, the and the Jets recovered. Yeah, that is my Josh McCown memory. <laughs> you poor, You poor football fan, you. I hope that the Browns are really good because something needs to replace all of the absolute garbage that has scrambled your brain when it comes to Cleveland Browns football. How did the franchise of journeyman quarterbacks in the Vikings never land the ultimate journeyman quarterback in McCown? You know, it's a great question. How did that never happen? I'm trying to remember now off the top of my head if I remember any uh, McCown uh, scuttlebutt to the Vikings. And I don't. And that is a that is a fantastic question when you consider that that the Browns might trump them. But really, if you think about it, the Vikings have been a glorious landing spot for the journeyman QB. My other favorite Josh McCown thing is that one of his daughters, who I believe he's got a daughter that's in like high school, uh, at one of her like spirit days for her school, they had a jersey day. Yeah. So her and all of her friends 
all wore the different jerseys that her dad had because he had played on so many different teams. He had like eight or nine different jerseys that her friends could wear. So each, so her and each of her like best friends all wore different Josh McCown jerseys to school. And there were how many of them again? I Did you count them up. I don't remember off the top of my head. Let me let me look how many teams he played for. Oh, it had to be. It up. was ten teams, I believe, over seventeen years. <laughs> Think about that. And the Vikings weren't one of them. And think about that family, the willingness. His wife and and the kids, I I guess, didn't have a say, really. But if you think about that lifestyle of constantly just bouncing around, although, you know, who's on that course now, clearly, the guy who was here as the backup last year. Trevor Simeon now has gone from the Broncos to the Vikings, and he's now going to replace McCowan with the Jets as the backup (laughs) to Sam Darnold. Did you find it? So he played for eight different franchises. From 2002 until 2018, played for eight different franchises. So they had a, a number of different jerseys for, for each member of her friend group to wear. And it is one of my favorite pictures that I've seen on Twitter. Oh, yeah, it's a great idea. Case has a couple teams already. Keenum? Yep. Well, and he's going to have another one here before long. <laughs> I, I had By the said, end of the season or no? Um, no, I bet they keep him around. In Washington, but then 2020, he'll he'll be elsewhere. I bet. And okay, I, I found the picture too. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so there's uh, from it's two rows deep because he played for that many different teams. <laughs> wow. Two rows deep. Uh, we've got five girls in the top row and two in the bottom row. From left to right, we go Tampa, Miami, Oakland, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Chicago again because he wore two different jersey numbers with the Bears. He wore 15 and he wore 12. Same stint though. One, um, one stint, two different numbers? Uh, I It was, uh, yeah, one stint. So okay. he wore 15 in 2011, and 2012 and 2013, he wore number 12. All right. So it, there were a number of different jerseys. And it, it looks like we're probably, I think we're missing Carolina. There's no Carolina jersey represented there, which is disappointing. But they've got seven of the eight different franchises. I'm not kidding. His wife is a complete saint. Has to be. If you think about that. And the willingness and knowing, knowing every year that basically teams like, well, you did, did a great job as a backup for us. Thanks a lot. See you later. Well, and just moving across the country, how many times? So you moved from Arizona to Detroit, spent a year in Detroit, moved back to the West Coast to Oakland, spent a year there, all the way east to Carolina, then to Chicago, then down south to Tampa, then up to Cleveland, then wrapped it up in New York. Oof. That's got to be miserable. You forgot the brief stint in Miami and the Hartford Colonials of the UFL. Yes. Well, I don't. He never played I went to his a, Wikipedia. He never uh, played a regular season yeah. game for Miami, so that's why they're not on the the list. Yeah. Yes. The Hartford Colonials of the I had forgotten all about that godforsaken league, the UFL. Yet another league that thought, man, you know what? We can do it. Minor league football is going to take off here, right? Minor league football is going to take <laughs> off someday. All he right. had to have been a star. Oh yeah, he's probably yeah, he probably is very good for them. Um, so ESPN within the past couple of days came out, Danny Cunningham, mm-hmm. ranking what they call the twenty five biggest position upgrades of the two thousand nineteen NFL offseason. Twenty five. And actually your Cleveland Browns fared very well. The top one is the Raiders upgrading uh from Jordy Nelson, who retired now to Antonio Brown. It's a pretty big jump. The second one is the Jets going from Le'Veon Bell, or two Le'Veon Bell replacing Isaiah Crowell. But your Browns then are third, no surprise. Odell Beckham Jr. replacing Antonio Callaway. Number four on the list is the Giants. Right guard Kevin Zeitler replaces uh, Jamal uh, 
Jamone Brown. And five is Cleveland edge rusher Olivier Vernon replaces Emmanuel Agba. Agba, thank you very much. You're welcome. And Cleveland uh, has another one here, too, which is comes back related to the Vikings. At number 16, defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson replaces uh, Trevon Coley for the Browns. There are no Vikings uh, moves on this list, which is... Not entirely surprising, given the fact that this team salary cap wise was fair? very strapped. Yes, do I do. Do you think it's fair. fair that none of their I upgrades think, or anything that they did made that list? I think it's incredibly fair. Don't you? I I can't think of one that deserved to make that list in terms of just on field personnel. And ordinarily, they, they definitely would have made a move that would have qualified for that list, but because of Cousins' contract, mm-hmm. they didn't have any cash to do that. And All I, of I bet they were on that list the year moves. before. The year before, I bet, oh Sheldon I bet. Sheldon Richardson and Cousins were for sure right. Yes. I would have I bet, to. I would have to think that that Cousins was. I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, if the Cousins move from Case Keenum was top five. The Richardson move was also a great move. Yeah, because they got him on a one year deal cheap. But starting with you, give me what you deem to be the Vikings' biggest offseason upgrade, and we'll take this outside of position. Just give me the upgrade. I I don't think it's an on field thing. I think that it's hiring Gary Kubiak and bringing him in and having him be a having him have the, a hand in the offense. I think that that's a huge upgrade from what they had before. I think that that's the the biggest place that we're going to see them benefit. And it's not someone that's going to be you know catching passes or, or running the football. It's going to be someone that's directing things in Kubiak. I think that he's going to have a big hand in whether or not this team has success on that side of the ball in 2019. Did it, it surprise you at all when Cousins did the press conference? I want to say now it was last Wednesday, mm-hmm. and was about as forthcoming, I think, as he's ever been at the podium since he got here, and admitted that because the one assumption that we all made was the one guy who's going to know this offense for the Kubiak's going to run backwards and forwards because we all thought it was essentially the Shanahan offense was Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Did it surprise you at all when he said, yeah, you guys think that I know this more than I actually do? It surprised me a little bit that he was that forthcoming with it. Maybe it didn't surprise me that he didn't know it as well as we all assumed he did, but it certainly did surprise me that he was like, I'm I'm not so sure about all this so far. I expected to see a little bit more confidence from him, but in the same token, I appreciated the honesty. Like, that's, that's a step. Yeah, but it also... But now... My question, assuming that he had that he was telling the complete truth, which means that there are probably elements of this offense he knows, but there's a lot that he doesn't. Now my concern is, all right, nobody really knows it. Uh, they they just got done with their mandatory mini camp, so mm-hmm. they're all off for a month now. When they come back, how long does this take? To get down, it'll take a couple of weeks at the very bit, but you also do have to trust in the fact that if Kirk Cousins is your franchise quarterback, he's going to be, he's going to have one access to the playbook, and two, he's going to be taking advantage of that access to the playbook between now on June seventeenth until training camp opens up a little over a month from now, and even further looking further ahead in eighty days when the first game's played, he's going to be studying up quite a bit. And he's well, he going, does, but that but there's a difference between trying to sit down with that playbook then and actually executing those plays with teammates who also are trying to learn it. Sure, but that's the first step. You have to be able to get it on paper before you're going to be able to get it on the field perfectly. You're going to have
have to be able to, sure. you have to, you have to crawl before you can walk. That's the old saying that it, it's a terrible saying, but we'll go with it here. You have to know what you're doing before you actually do it. And so taking advantage of that and maybe, maybe grasping some things from the mandatory minicamp and the organized team activities that are already in the rear view mirror, grasping some of those t- things can help them in the future and can help them when the season comes. It's not going to be, they're not going to look like a well oiled machine on day one of training camp. I, that's not going to happen. It didn't and happen in minicamp. And that's fine. That's fine. The question, the question is, can, can you translate this to look at, at least a semblance of a well-oiled machine on opening day? That's that's the important part. Maybe we see them play a little bit more in preseason games. Maybe we see some more preseason I always action. say that. I but, always but, say that. It never happens. It might not. I said, maybe they'll play them a little bit longer, and then the coaches are all like, no, they're, they're playing one series. It might not, <laughs> but maybe they do. Maybe they need that extra time, and there is no way to simulate a game other than a game, and that's the closest thing you're going to have to it. So maybe they play a little bit more in the preseason. I maybe, can't like tell you how series. many times I've written that story, too. Yeah, it might be a good idea to do this or that, and then coaches don't change with, with that. They're like, no, we're not going to play more. Yeah, you're probably right. We're not going to play more. All right, so I gave this this question thought, and I thought to myself, Judd, how can you be creative here? How can you be creative? How can you come up with something? Now, I, I like your response. Mm-hmm. Kubiak, that's a good one. On the field, though, how can I do something different? And I thought, okay, biggest upgrades. Could I be creative by saying, Bringing back Anthony Barr, and I thought, no, I really can't. No, it's and plus not really it's a an de- upgrade. And, and it's a defense thing. Well, it's an upgrade if he's used differently than he's been used previously because they brought him back, but it's still the defense, and I think the defense is going to be fine. Sure. I thought, okay, so that I no. That's a fair thought. Er, on that one. Check marked off. X'd off. X'd off. Then I thought Danny Cunningham. How about Irv Smith? Two tight ends. Okay. Kubiak loves that one. But Collar's talked extensively, and he's right. A rookie tight end is really dicey. Mm-hmm. He could Irv Smith Jr. could be fantastic, and he could be overwhelmed for eight weeks, but you don't know. And then I thought you're outthinking yourself because the key move is the move that everyone would probably say. It's got to be taking Garrett Bradbury, the center, in the first round, which allows you to kick Elfline out to left guard, where he should be good, mm-hmm. and then combined with the guy that you brought up, Kubiak running an offense that's going to pull way more, be way more athletic, call for the offensive line to run a lot more than uh, DeFilippo's offense did. If it's not that, they're in huge trouble. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be, as boring as this might sound, and as outside the box as I tried to go, Garrett Bradbury's presence, and this is asking a lot, and we have seen young centers step in before and be successful, so it's not completely outside the box. But if Garrett Bradbury's presence doesn't make an enormous difference, this offense is in huge trouble, and if it does, it could be far more functional. And the reason I went with Kubiak over Bradbury is that Kubiak's, I think, a little more proven in what he's done at this level where Bradbury's never taken a snap. Yeah, no, you're right. That's well, so that's the that, scary that's part. That's my reluctancy to say, oh, Bradbury's the biggest upgrade because he's a question mark too. Like, yep. yeah, he was good in college, and on paper, it looks great. It looks like an awesome upgrade. It looks like this offensive line that was horrific last year got a little bit better just by just by doing that. But we really don't know. And sure, we don't know that Gary Kubiak's going to have the effect that we all think he will in Minnesota. But I think he's got a little bit more of a track record to say, okay, it's it's far more likely that he does than Garrett Bradbury is a day one pro bowler. And I know you're not saying that, but it's... No, but I'm saying he has to be impactful day one. He does. So he you're absolutely not, does. The track you're going down is not wrong. He absolutely has to be impactful day one if that's going to be the, the biggest upgrade for them. And the interesting thing about him is no matter what the Vikings tell you, so everybody always says what? When it comes to 
the draft. Best player available, right? Yeah. We're always taking the best player. You can if you don't do that. And and there are people that say absolutely true. You have to. If you go back and look at where the Vikings drafted, they did not take the best player. No. They took the best positional player for a position. So this was, if the Vikings are often telling the truth and feel that they have the um, the comfort to take the best player out there, this was a case where they said, we have to take the best player at a certain position and and went against what they claimed to do, which puts even more pressure internally because everyone in that building knows that. That is one thing that fascinates me about not just the NFL draft, but every draft is wh- where do you draft for positional need versus best player available? At what point does that flip? At what point is the talents of the best player available, maybe not at a spot you need, outweigh what you actually need and just how good it is there? That's something that does fascinate me. Gary Bradbury wasn't the best player on the board at 18 when the pick out there, but he was the one that they needed, and you have to hope that he's the one that makes the biggest impact possible as a rookie. Well, I, I can tell you where it flips in the Vikings' mind within the draft itself. Sure. Uh, it flips uh, approximately somewhere in the second to third round. Because when Spielman starts to bail back, he is passing, he is consistently, and he did that, I think, a ton in this past draft, he is consistently passing on the best player available to him to accumulate more picks. So if, if the Vikings are telling the truth about best player, which, okay, let's say they often are, that's definitely a first-round philosophy. But once you start to bail backwards, that's gone. Yeah. And I, I think it was in the second round this year where Rick bailed back. So his his um, draft strategy come second round is the best player doesn't matter as much if I can get as many picks as possible. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's, that's fair, it, right? but it's something that... Not every general manager or president of football operations or whoever makes these moves in NFL front offices thinks that way. And that's something that about yeah. about different front offices. Look at your Browns before John Dorsey. Fascinates me. Yes, they very much so thought that way, where they, they could have as many picks as possible. I think that Sashi Brown, who was the, the former EVP of the Cleveland Browns, I think he wanted to have every single draft pick in the 2024 draft. I think that was his plan. He wanted to have every single pick. And I don't... All 256. I know what they're doing. They're basically trying to, at that point, hedge their bets. Mm-hmm. That I'll have so many bodies here, a few are uh, bound to work out. Yes. I get that. But if I talk to somebody about it, I get what they're doing. I don't agree with it. Sure. And that's fine. Like, are you telling me all of your scouting doesn't lend you to be confident that, let's say, with your first three picks, that there's a name on that board that you definitely positively want to take? It, it, that's a problem with the scouting department, too. If you can't figure that out, you have a problem with your scouts. But like, especially Rick, if you're the Rick team just like wants the Bron- bodies. It's, and it's, so did Sashi Brown. Especially if you're a team like in the Browns position when they were doing that, where they were just horrible every year where they were drafting in the top five and you can't figure it out then when that should be an easy thing to do weird all right let's do this Uh, let's take a uh, break on purple daily let's come back and although the espn list didn't get to this let's also uh talk about what we think was the biggest downgrade for the vikings uh during the uh, last few months as well and then we also got to get to a conversation about twitter because (laughs) there's a certain former player who joined this weekend and uh 
Oh, boy. The show is Purple Daily. Zolgad Cunningham, Jonathan Harrison producing. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Yeah, uh, there's a lot. We've, we've done a lot. Uh, we've just about gone through pretty much everything on both sides of the ball that we want to get done. We've, we're even installing a little bit this week because there's things that I want to look at uh, to see if, uh, if it's something we can do in the fall, something that we can fit, something that fits us. Purple Daily is the show that, of course, was uh, Viking coach Mike Zimmer last week after the mini camp uh, concluded talking about where things go next. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to the all-new Score North. Matthew Collar out today. So it's Zolga, Danny Cunningham, Jonathan Harrison producing. And, um, of course, we have been talking extensively about the biggest National Football League news today. If you have not heard, ringing throughout the league is the news of the retirement announced on the Players' Tribune today of Josh McCowan quarterback for 17 years, multitude of teams. In fact, we are taking phone calls, 651-646-8255, to mourn the decision of one of the great backup QBs ever in the National Football League. And let's go to the phone lines right now. Uh, Caller, state your name and your greatest memory of Josh McCowan. Okay. Uh, My name is, it's my show you're hosting. It is me, Matthew Collar. I could not stay away on this day when Josh McCown announces retirement. I try so hard to look at the NFL schedule and think about all the things that could happen. Kyle Rudolph re-signed, so I'm like, I'm in the clear. There's not going to be any big NFL news. I'm going to take vacation this week. And Josh McCown retires for a very, very long time. I have revered Mr. McCown for his perseverance in football, his ability to be a tremendous teammate, and, guys, the most underrated all-time great athlete at the position. This guy ran a 4.5940 and is one of the greatest athletes uh, by almost every other measure. The 20-yard shuttle, the broad jump, he can do uh, uh, two-handed tomahawk jams. There is a video of him doing a, a tomahawk slam playing pickup basketball. Josh McCown, a guy who briefly played wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, retires today, and I'm very sad. Matthew, what is your favorite on-field memory of McCown in his illustrious 17-year career? I mean, how do you pick just one? Um, I think that in, in all seriousness, the year that he played for Chicago, and, and it was a couple years, but he went absolutely crazy. He went 13, uh, 13 touchdowns, one pick. He had 109 quarterback rating and convinced the Tampa Bay Bucks to make him their franchise quarterback the next year, and then he went 1-10. Uh, I think that just those couple of games, I remember watching a few of them, and he was just on fire. Josh McCown could not be stopped. And then, of course, uh, you know, there's a moment that McCown is involved with with the Minnesota Vikings that's um, worth talking about. Did you guys discuss that already? Uh, we have not. Nope. The, uh, the 2003, was he not... not at the helm to make the uh, touchdown pass that eliminated the Minnesota Vikings in Week 17, Judd, wasn't that to Nate, to Nate Poole, you are accurate. 
<laughs> oh man, I'll go with that one. I mean, that's just incredible. It's 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 an unbelievable throw in a game that they had no business at all winning. And you've got to wonder if Josh McCown ever gets another chance again if he doesn't beat the Vikings there and he ends up having this long and marvelous career. You Thank don't you, Josh you, McCown. you don't drink, but is there thought to going to your your local liquor store and getting a bottle of something? And just toasting one to a great career. Well, in hip-hop, Judd, I know that you know this. They have a saying, you pour out a little liquor, right? Um, Of course. So, you know, when someone passes away or whatever. Uh, For me, it might be pour out a little root beer. So I already, after he, uh, I was just playing basketball, and then I picked up my phone, I was done playing, and I looked at it, and I saw the news. And, you know, you know I don't cry either, but a a little misty here. And so I went to the fridge, I popped a diet cream soda, and I pounded it for Josh McCown. So, yeah, basically the same thing. I was going to ask you if you did tear up or if maybe one tear rolled down your cheek because, let's face it, Josh McCown is a legend, and I want to know who was the, the most previous player before Josh McCown to, uh, to get that kind of reaction out of you. Uh, maybe Thurman Thomas when he left the Buffalo Bills and they released him and went to the uh, Miami Dolphins. I mean, I know that we're kidding around, but in all seriousness. No, you're not. No, we're I, not. I'm not. You're not. Right? Like, I know. I, but I, I know you guys know that I'm not, but I'm telling the audience that I'm really not. Like, I really think that Josh McCown is an amazing human being for having this type of career. I mean, think about how many quarterbacks get drafted high and they're bust and they're out of the league in a couple of years. Like I've told you, you know, Judd, about EJ Manuel and how yep. you know he just he just didn't really have it, and a couple teams tried to make him the backup, and that didn't work, and he just basically called it quits. I mean, to have the type of perseverance to come into the league with basically zero chance of sticking and retire at the age of 39 when your daughter is legitimately the same age as your starting quarterback Sam Darnold last year, and to have some. Some great moments. I mean, even at age 38, his 2017 season was pretty darn good. He had a 94 quarterback rating and made the Jets mildly competitive that year. And uh, so for him to be able to do that, I mean, the one thing that I've learned a lot about journeyman backups from doing the podcast and the show with Sage Rosenfeld all the time is all the responsibilities that actually go into that, like all the scout team stuff, and you're basically like an offensive assistant slash player on the team. you got to be ready at any time. Think of how many offenses Josh McCown knows. There's no question that this guy's going to be a head coach in a couple of years, right? Oh, yeah. Well, wait, wait, wait. That's if, if I'm his wife, though, I might say, Josh, the moving's done. We're done, <laughs> We're yeah. done moving around. She must be a saint. I, I would <laughs> tell him, look, buddy, you had yours. We're moving to one place, and we're staying there now. And if you want to move around yourself now, that's fine. Go do it. And here's the other great thing, though. I mean, you're right about his family and how many times you have to move around and all that, though. But think about how much cash Josh McCown made over his career. I've been trying to find it. I can't, I can't get an exact figure. But think about how many contracts this guy signed for a couple million bucks. Didn't he get, like, $10 million to be the backup for the Jets last year? Like, I'm not saying that his wife and family aren't saints, but also – I mean, think about yeah. uh, for for 23 wins in 76 starts, how much money Josh McCown made. I mean, that alone 
what a, what an incredible entrepreneur, <laughs> right? So uh, Josh McCown's career earnings were just under fifty million dollars in total what? cash. That is amazing. Forty nine point six million. You're right. Twenty three wins. Seventy six games. Collar, you're right. A one year ten million dollar contract. A base <laughs> salary of five hundred thousand. Oh wow. Wow. All right. See? You're See? right. You're right. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks, go, guys. Go home and mourn. <laughs> Talk to you. Matthew Collar, who was dead serious there. Wait, yes, there was no joking around. That can't be right. Ten million. That it had to be. What do you mean that can't be right? Well, for one year, that's not going to make. It was a. He got a five million dollar signing bonus and a five million dollar base salary. Oh my gosh! I take it back. If I was his wife, I'd say keep working. I take that back. But he is really Collar is being truthful. I know that's why it's great. He is really. That's the best upset. part about all this. Well. I told Jonathan during the break, too, staycations, overrated. They sound great on paper, but then something always happens at the start of your staycation, and you're like, I'd rather be on the air talking about this. No, the only way I'm taking time off and staying in town is if I'm getting, like, surgery done. Like last like week. Like you just I, did. Like last week when I missed a day for a surgery. That's the only way I'm taking time off and not getting out of town. If I'm taking time no, off, you're right. I'm going to Mexico. But they, but staycations on paper, the older you get, do sound like, oh, it'd be great. You know, I'll sleep in a little bit, do some errands. After about three hours, I'm bored, and inevitably something happens to mm -hmm. And yeah. you're like, I could have talked about that. And Matthew Collar, I know this sounds really, really weird, but this is how addicted the guy is to football. Josh McCowan stepping away from football today honestly moves him. And and the best part for him, because he called in and, and did a great job as a guest on Purple Daily today, he's not even going to have to use a vacation day for this. I thought you were going to say he gets a gift. No, he's not going to have to Does use a vacation Does he get a gift day. certificate? Not for me, no. Silver butter knife steak? All right, back to the subject at hand. We both uh, discussed what we felt were the Vikings' uh, biggest upgrades in the offseason of 2019. You said it, and I think it's a really good one, Gary Kubiak Correct. being brought in to run the offense. And I said the addition via the draft in the first round of center Garrett Bradbury, allowing Pat Elfline to kick out to left guard and thus probably strengthening an offensive line that uh, Rick Dennison, the O-line coach, and Kubiak will oversee. Now, ESPN didn't have this in their rankings, but what do you consider to be the biggest loss or the biggest downgrade, I guess, is to uh, the juxtaposition to what we're talking about for the Vikings offseason this year? Well, in a way, ESPN did actually have this one in the ranking. It's the only one that you brought up that really tied to the Vikings, and that was, I believe, number 16, I want to say, which was the Browns uh, grabbing Sheldon Richardson instead of Trevon Coley. And I think that that's a, it's a big loss for Minnesota, losing Sheldon Richardson off that defensive line. Like you, you brought up last year that he would have been one of the probably five best, along with Kirk Cousins, heading into the 2018 season for the addition and the upgrade that it meant at that position. I think losing him is a big downgrade. That's, a, that's an excellent one. Now, I think he can be replaced, but... Clearly, Zim loved the ability to put Linval Joseph and Sheldon side by side, sure. which made that defensive line even more formidable than it usually is, and it's always very good, or has been for several years now. I'm going to go with the loss of Dalvin Cook's backup, Latavius Murray, to the Saints. Okay. Um, now, I know you drafted a running back to take that position on and bring a guy into backup Cook. I know the plan is if the Vikings are fortunate, that Cook will stay healthy and probably play a ton this coming season. But Danny, you know, the running back, I, I contend this. I think you can find them. So so I think you can draft one. That's fine. Yeah. 
I think you can go out and sign a guy that most of us might not be smitten with, and that player can help you. But Latavius Murray brought you a level of uh, professionalism and an ability where if Dalvin Cook got hurt or came out, Latavius Murray was incredibly effective. And the one thing about playing that position that I think is very difficult as a rookie or can be is it's not just I hand you the ball and you run now. Yeah, It's can you pick up blocking schemes? Can you catch the ball? That position has become much more of a multi-pronged, you have to know this, this, and this. And if you don't, it can be big trouble. You have to be multidimensional to be able to stay on the field in yes. today's NFL as a running back. It's not the old days where Absolutely. I can give you the ball and you can run between the tackles. That That's not what the NFL is today. You have to be able to... Uh, pass protect. You have to be able to catch the ball in the backfield. You have to be able to run routes. You have to at some at some points in time. You have to be able to line up in the slot and be comfortable there. Yes, like you have to be able to do a number of different things to be a successful running back in today's league. I'll give you a comp here. Latavius Murray to me is comparable to what the Twins have in Marwin Gonzalez. That's fair. Where Marwin Gonzalez can play all over the diamond, incredibly can do professional, just about everything that you ask of him. Yeah, that's, he does, that's not bad. He doesn't wow you consistently. But take him away, and it makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And Delvin Cook, now if Delvin Cook had a, a resume in in his time with the Vikings of consistently staying healthy, you might say to yourself, okay, yeah, but he's gonna, he's only going to be out for this amount of snaps. But he doesn't yet. And so I think it's and a... might never. Yeah, so it's a dangerous assumption to say, oh, Delvin Cook's going to play all 16 games and carry the load. Uh, consistently, Collar wants that, and Collar ultimately, if it's if it happens, is right. But if you run into a, a situation where, let's say, he pulls a hamstring again in week three or something, week two, who comes in then and is is a reliable, not flashy, because Latavius Murray, I don't think you can call a flashy no. player for he's he's a consistent player, but who is a reliable replacement there? And right now, I think that's a roll of the dice. And with Murray, you at least said to yourself. If this guy has to play a lot, he can do it, and he's not going to hurt you. Because running backs, when they screw up now, I miss a block. Mm-hmm. I drop a pass. I fumble. Yeah. Can really hurt you. Yeah, and I think it's unfair to assume that Delvin Cook is going to play all seven or all 16 games next year. I just don't think that's a fair assumption to make because he hasn't shown that he can do it in his career. Until you see it, I agree completely. And, and Collar's uh, point is, okay, Delvin Cook should play all of the time because he's because he's a really really good player yeah. and, and he's that important to the production or potential production of the offense. The problem there, though, I see is this. Okay, let's say week three he's playing all the time, or week four, yeah, and now he goes down. You know, do you bring in the rookie, Madison? Do you bring in you know Rock Thomas? Do you bring in and if you do, what is the drop off there? Because the one thing was Cook to Murray might have been a drop-off, but it wasn't a, oh my gosh, this is a problem drop-off. It wasn't super sizable. And furthermore, let's let's say that he does stay healthy. Let's say Dalvin Cook has played the first 14 games of the season. The Vikings are in contention down the stretch. How much does Dalvin Cook have left in the tank if you don't have someone behind him that you can trust? That was my is question. he out of gas? Can, can he do it? Well, and can you get him through, uh, to, to start off with, let's say... 14 games. Yeah. Can you get him through that? I have no clue. But what's he going to have to take know. on the playoffs if you don't have a and that's And that, that was my point. That's the key thing is, is if you take him through, let's say, 16 games, and he's fantastic, 
But also, let's say around game 13, he starts to break down a little bit, wear and tear. Mm-hmm. And now you're playing in playoff games where he's going to be extremely important. Could be what Todd Gurley was in the playoffs last year, where right. Todd Gurley couldn't get on the field because of health. Right. So do you have the ability to have the guys behind him uh, in week nine, week eight, to say, you know what? You've been playing a lot. You've been playing extremely well in this game. In this game, you're going to play, but you're not going to take as many snaps. Yeah. And that's a question I don't know. And and that's something that they have to look into without question. All right, let's do this. Uh, let's take a break on uh, Purple Daily. Collar is out, although he did call in to talk about uh, McCowan's retirement. And uh, come back and talk about Twitter. Because speaking of running backs, a certain former... Pro Bowl Hall of Fame running back is on Twitter, and oh boy, is this a doozy. Purple Daily, back after this. Ah, the show is Purple Daily. Matthew Collar mourning the retirement of, uh, was it Kate or Josh? McNown. Josh. Josh. I can't remember the McNowns. What about I, Luke? Or Luke, I don't care that much. But anyway, Collar does, called in, sincerely upset that he took um, a week of staycation. And on day one, Josh McCowan announces his retirement from the National Football League. Collar's off. So it's Zolga, Danny Cunningham, Jonathan Harrison producing. Uh, Rami scheduled to uh, be in with uh, those guys for hour two of Purple Daily. At uh, which point, Hot Routes will be part of the hour. My first time. Very excited for that. Hot Routes is, and I'm not, I'm not being a smart aleck here, is an Awesome segment. I'm super pumped. It's a ton of fun. Can't wait. Um, anyway, let's get to some football news, I guess. <laughs> what do you mean you guess? Well, it involves a running back or a, or a Hall of Fame running back who surprised people. I am uh, looking at an ESPN News Services story here, Danny Cunningham, mm-hmm. and I'll just read the first few graphs. OJ Simpson launched a Twitter account with a video post in which the former football star said he's got, quote, a little getting even to do. Simpson confirmed the new account to the Associated Press on Saturday, saying in a phone interview while on a Las Vegas golf course that a quote will be a lot of fun. I've got some things to straighten out, he said. He did not elaborate before he said he had to go and ended the call. Through 11 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday, Simpson had more than 500,000 uh, followers on Twitter. And uh, right now it's at 664,000 plus. Uh, he is 71. He is no longer incarcerated. Um, first question for you, Danny Cunningham, have you followed at the real OJ 32? I have not followed at the real OJ 32 yet. I have not made a, I have not gotten there. Full disclosure. I immediately did. You immediately followed. And, OJ? And, I, and I know it's awful. I know it's, I know, I know it's wrong. And I've seen all the tweets from people saying, how can you do this? You people who are following OJ, you 664,000 plus, how can you follow? I couldn't help myself. I don't it's blame 2019. You. I don't blame social you. media. I know. I know it makes me a creep and I still couldn't help it, Danny. I think I'm just far more selective with who I follow. I'm not. like you follow well over. You follow thousands of people, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I do. You, you follow a ton of people. I only follow 717 people. So you got to be you got to be important to crack that list. You're not tempted. No, you follow almost 10,000 people. So, of course, you follow OJ. Of course, you're watching the juice. Jonathan, how despicable am I for following O.J. Simpson on Twitter? Uh, you can be honest. There's some pretty bad <laughs> follows on Twitter. I think that's right up there. Who are the worst? 
Oh, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Which athlete that's not on Twitter, present or past, do you wish was? Ooh. There's a few that I wouldn't mind being on Twitter. There's not enough characters for Brett Favre to be on Twitter. The character he's on Twitter. Well, he's got a Twitter account. Yeah, it's someone else. Obviously, he does not run it. Who do I, who do I wish was on Twitter and was forthcoming and real about it? Oh boy! How about non sports? <laughs> non sports is oh, fine goodness. too. This is okay. This is going to be really bad. This is going to be really really bad. Should I mute the phones now? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Just put them on busy. Charles Manson. <laughs> if Charles Manson was on Twitter, would I follow it? I, I hate to say this, but absolutely. I was going to go with sports. I was going to say Tibbs. I wish Tibbs had a Twitter account and was very truthful. But that would be interesting. I think that'd Caps be an interesting Caps Lock would be follow. permanently stuck on with his Twitter account, though. With Tibbs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always yelling. Caps Lock is on. I just think, you know, sports-wise... Sport- <laughs> why, why am I not surprised you went with the- Charlie Manson, I, I I know he's, he's despicable too, but so is OJ. I couldn't help myself. I told you want my Jeffrey wife Jeffrey Dahmer too. Saturday, well he's dead. Saturday night, I said past. Saturday night, I got home and what I told happened? the wife, I said the juice is on Twitter, and she's like, oh okay, whatever. And I said, bam, I'm following him. She's like, you didn't just do it. I said, absolutely, I can't help myself. He's doing videos. He's looking for the killers. There's That's no question all he's about. Doing. There's no question. He's on golf courses to this day looking for those killers. All he was doing was was videos. He hasn't tweeted out like actual words yet. He's right. tweeted out three videos. Ex- That's it. Extension off of of the juice being on Twitter, Danny Cunningham. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, now, who is the most despicable person in your in your brief career that you have covered and oh. and and been in a locker room with and and. Now say to yourself, oh my gosh. So I covered the Milwaukee Brewers for a little bit last year, and there was the whole Josh Hader thing. Yeah. I was, I, I was around for that. Now, was, was he a halfway decent guy? Like, what did you make of him? He was okay, but I could also, like, I, I wasn't necessarily stunned. Um, I don't know. I don't know who the worst person I've covered has been. I, I haven't been around necessarily long enough. I don't... Think I've covered nobody anyone that's who, been committed of that, like major crimes. That's what I was going to say. You you you've not covered a team, and then a year or two after someone gets indicted for a or arrested for a crime. No, I played with someone in high school that did, but that was about it. Right, but that's a person that we wouldn't know. Correct, because mine is without a doubt has to be Darren Sharper. Yeah, I figured that's where you were going. Who I to go. thought? Well, the worst part is how fooled I was. Mm-hmm. You know, if a guy's a bad guy and then something, and then he does something terrible, and you say to yourself, oh, I'm not surprised he was a bad guy. But the fact that Darren Sharper was among the most accessible, personable, seemingly, I hate to use this word now, but in, in my eyes, nicest athletes to us. Sure. Treated you really well, made your job you know, easier as a reporter. And he didn't make a mistake in life. Yeah. He was, I think you can safely say, a serial rapist. Yeah. And to have now look back on that and think, and that's the one where I've always said this now, and this probably negates uh, some really good people who are athletes as well, but that's why it's so hard now to say, that's a great guy. I know he's a great guy because I covered him. Yeah, and and J.R. Smith is someone I covered in Cleveland that had had run-ins with the law, the law before. 
but he was awesome in Cleveland and he stayed out of trouble and he was great to everyone in that locker room. He was great to me personally. Like I, I don't look at him as a bad guy, even though that he maybe had some, some missteps when he was younger, but the person he is now, I think is probably a different person then. And none of his missteps were anywhere near the level of Darren Sharper. Sure. Well, and if he screwed up now, you would say, oh, okay, he he went back to be, it wouldn't, he reverted. It, he reverted, it wouldn't surprise you. Yes. But in the case of Sharper, there was nothing I saw that would have even led me down the path of, oh, I could see him being a really bad guy. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you do pass that that thought or indictment on a lot of guys who just don't seem to be that, you know, that nice. You know, you you think about guys who don't talk or or seem bristly or surly, and you say to yourself, I bet that's a bad guy. And again, you don't know that. So I do have a Twitter question for you. Mm-hmm. Did you follow Bill Cosby as well? Because Bill Cosby tweeted this weekend. No, because I will. Oh, goodness. You're going to bring up that tweet? He tweeted. Yeah, yeah it I know was a he really did. bad tweet. Well, it was a really bad weekend yeah, for true. Twitter. The real OJ and Bill one. Cosby all Not in bad. all in 48 hours? No, you know what? That, this is, this OJ, I landmark. can write off. O, OJ is is like uh, taking a tax exemption because he's a sports guy, and I can justify it in my mind. Mm-hmm. The cause I can't justify in my mind. I can't get. There's no compelling case for me to follow a guy who has nothing to do with anything I do. That's fair. So I can just well, and th- and these are the mental gymnastics that we as humans try to jump through in justifying our actions when even we know that they're probably despicable. The mental gymnastics that we do as a human race are unbelievable. Yeah, because it's it's how we sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. If you though. really were to break down things that you might do or be tempted to do, you'd probably get about two hours of sleep a night. So I can say, I can follow OJ. I'm a pretty good person. I can follow OJ because I follow sports. I can't follow Bill Cosby. There's no you reason. You watch TV. There's no re- I didn't even watch his show when it was on NBC and everyone else watched it. I was never a big fan. So I can now say, I don't need to follow him. But OJ, I'm, you know, looking for the killers, I'm sure. I might just unfollow him, too. I don't know. <laughs> Did we shame you into unfollowing OJ? No, because you both, you guys both sound like you don't care that, that I follow him. I mean, I'm not going to take issue with it, but I understand people that might. I understand some people being potentially being upset that you follow OJ Simpson. Well, yeah, no, I don't blame him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. Ju- I'm not justifying myself to them. I might be very wrong here. Yeah, no, I am. I'm not for one second uh, pushing back against those people. They might be right, and I, I'll even go a step beyond that. They probably are right. What's worse, the fact that OJ's got over 650,000 followers and over three tweets, or that Bill Cosby still has 3.5 million followers? Where's Cosby tweeting from? O- OJ, I, I know, is tweeting from. OJ, I know, is tweeting from the golf course now since he's not incarcerated anymore. Where is Co- where is Bill Cosby? I believe incarcerated. Can you get on Twitter from inside of? He's been tweeting in jail. And what what is he tweeting about? Do you even know? He is in prison. Yes. Okay. So why so why is he? What is there an hour a day where you can get on uh, Twitter? I imagine they have computers there. <sighs> Whatever. Or someone's tweeting for him. All right. Anyway, he also posted on Instagram. Good for him. <laughs> Pretty big. I'm not. Follow- no, no, no. I, I have no problem. I have no problem with drawing a line of why I can. Why 
a sports guy, right or wrong, could follow OJ. I'm not taking this to Cosby. So I don't know that Cosby's actually the one that hit tweet that actually sent out the message. What, Jonathan? So you're not okay with Cosby, <laughs> but you want Charles Manson to have a Twitter account? It was a hypothetical. It was a hypothetical. But hypothetically <laughs> speaking, in this hypothetical. hypothetically speaking, <laughs> oh, I'm not, if, if, uh, hang I'm, on, hang I'm on, I'm not hang saying on. I'm not screwed up. Hypothetically speaking, not, if Charles Manson had defending. a Twitter account, you would follow it. Hypothetically, yes. But you won't follow Bill Cosby. Okay, that is hypocritical to the <laughs> utmost. No, I'm with you guys. I, I'm not, this segment is not about justifying, this is not a sports segment where I'm trying to justify some case. I'm coming to you in a therapeutic fashion, admitting to my faults. I am totally admitting to my faults. I'm being, you're right, saying hypothetically that I would follow Charles Manson and then drawing the line at Bill Cosby, you're right, is completely screwed up. But this is not, this has nothing to do with me trying to justify my actions. I'm asking for help here. All right. Do, hey, Jonathan, do we have time to take this call before we, uh, yeah. before we go? All right. Hey, Paul, what's up? Hey, John, how you doing? Um, convoluted, confused, and um, struggling. How so are you? Monday. I'll make, I'll try to make it quick. I don't know if you're up against the break. Yeah, you are, by the way. Um, Thank you. I'm about 10 years, at least 10 years older than you. Um, were you a George Carlin fan at all? Yes. Yes. Now I don't I don't I oh I, I was going to say I wasn't a huge fan because I, I was pretty young when he was super popular, but I like George Carlin, yes. Imagine if given the how much of a wordsmith that guy was, if he were still alive, how much of a Twitter um, he'd be amazing Twitter uh, guy, wouldn't he? He would be. Absolutely be fantastic, yes. That's a very yeah, good one. One quick uh, heads up for you. I know you guys you got time about great interviews you've done in the past. And I know you're a hockey guy. The best interview I'd ever did, and this the guy was never in trouble. Marty Turco, obviously goal NHL goalie, yeah. grew up and you know, played at University of Michigan. I interviewed him at the X before or after a practice, and this was back in the days of the mini disc recorders. Yep. And I didn't have the right button pushed, and so we did like a five minute interview, answered all my questions, and then I had to admit to him that I had the wrong button pushed. Yep. But he, he was nice enough a guy. He did the whole interview over again, and he was an awesome interview, and I always appreciated him because the hockey guys are the best. You they probably are the nicest people. That. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate Thanks, it. Man. All right. Hour one Purple Daily is done. Rami's coming in uh, for me. It'll be Rami, Danny Cunningham, Jonathan Harrison for hour two of Purple Daily. And then, of course, uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami at four o'clock. Talk to you all later. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.